Welcome to another edition of Food, Faith, and Feelings, brought to you as an educational program under the nonprofit MANA Scholarship Fund. Our program is designed to help you better understand issues related to your physical and mental diet. What you consume is impacting your head, your heart, and your soul. We are thankful to our business partnership with Paradigm Security and Mr. Rick Strong for providing this opportunity to come to you. We hope to enrich your lives as he has enriched ours. Our guest today is Dr. Michael Halen, too. This is his second time on Food, Faith, and Feelings, and we had so much fun a couple of weeks ago that we decided that his stuff was like just powerful and interesting because people really love to learn about the mind and the body and how everything sort of interfaces. And so I thought bringing him back would be really, really a fun time and uh, educational to boot. So welcome. Oh, thank you. Appreciate it. So, uh, Michael, one of the things that we were talking about um, in the interim between uh, last show and the show is talking about how our immune systems function and specifically, um, you know, the last year has been crazy and has sort of thrown everyone topsy-turvy and some people have adapted well and some people have not. And so talking about the stress levels for those people um, and how that impacts our immune system, um, not to mention having uh, this disease that's been, you know, scouring the globe and how that an interface, like how a disease interfaces with our immune system. So um, go ahead, tell us a little bit about just your intro on the immune system and how it functions. Well, the immune system is, uh, like many systems of the human body, is we've only scratched the surface in terms of our understanding. But there are some things that we do know. So let's talk about a simple antigen-antibody reaction. So when you are exposed to an exogenous pathogen, virus, bacteria, something from the outside, mm -hmm. particularly something that's new, like this novel co uh, <coughs> coronavirus, your body has to figure out exactly what it is and what to do with it. So anything that comes from the outside has something on it called an antigen. And an antigen is a sequence, it's a molecule, and it's a sequence oftentimes of carbohydrate, but it can be carbohydrate and protein. And that antigen is examined and recognized by the, by the body, and the body produces what's called an antibody. So with COVID- It's like a little army guy inside of your body. Kind of like a little army guy. That's a good way to think of it. Or a policeman, depending upon exactly what that what I it like does. to bring things down to where I can really understand them. I know. I'll keep it simple for you, G. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> so when, when an antigen enter, enters your body, whether it's uh, outside on a, on a virus or on a food you eat, uh, like donuts. We have donuts here in the studio this morning. We can talk about a donut. The donut has lots of different antigens on it that your body may react to with an antibody. But keeping it COVID-specific uh, mm -hmm. to keep it topical... The body recognizes or attempts to recognize uh, the virus and its antigen, okay? So antigens are everywhere, right? An antigen is simply a molecule, a chemical sequence that the body uses as an identifying marker, like a fingerprint. It's not something like, I don't like gin, so that's an antigen. No, antigen. But um, is there a rim shot from anybody? Okay, good. All right. <laughs> right. So. I got to lighten the mood, man. He is so intense about this. It's great. <laughs> Mmm, donuts. <laughs> okay. That was not me, by the way. <laughs> oh, Mike. 
Okay, go ahead. Stop. Stop with theatrics. Okay. <laughs> okay. Antigens. Okay. We're on the morning show, apparently. <laughs> so the antigens. So, so your body has immunoglobulins. You've heard that word before, right? So I we have, have. We have different immunoglobulins. We have it sounds a, sticky. It is. Immunoglobulin A is in like saliva. It's in mucous membranes. Immunoglobulin M is in the blood. There's these immunoglobulins all throughout the body, right? So these are our antibodies, in a sense. So if you've been exposed to a coronavirus in the past, you have antibodies that you've produced and your body stores in repose or in an arsenal uh, in case you're ever exposed to that type of coronavirus again. And you have antibodies to various coronaviruses. So I have this little army inside of me that sort of backs to the wall and then if something is reintroduced, they go, we know what to do with this, pew, pew. That's a really, that's a really good way to describe it. Yep. Okay. Yep. Uh, with this virus, it's a brand new version of a coronavirus. Right. Uh, where it came from, and there's a lot of debate still about those types of things. We're not right? going into that. Okay. Not political. No, 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 no. So, so <clears throat> it's new, right? It's mm -hmm. new. Your body hasn't seen it before. My body hasn't seen it before. We've seen similar things. We haven't seen this thing. Mm -hmm. So what our body does is in response to this particular coronavirus and its antigen marker is we uh, send out an antibody or it interfaces with an antibody. And that antibody attempts to grab onto this coronavirus and do one of a number of different things. It can neutralize Rip it an apart. antigen. It may, it may hold it. Eat it up like Ms. Pac-Man. Well, it may. So the antibody may hold that virus until a macrophage, a different type of white blood cell, comes along and engulfs it and eats the whole thing, right? If that antigen-antibody uh, immune complex is successful, then what the antibody does is it clones itself and starts to produce more of itself. So now we have this clone army moving throughout our body, throughout our bloodstream and our interstitial spaces. So our body cells. is super, super smart. Body super smart. Wow. Super smart. That's amazing. So what's good for the population is we've seen coronaviruses before. Right. So our first attempt at an antigen-antibody reaction is fairly successful. A few modifications need to be made to produce antibodies to deal with this novel coronavirus. So I would like to ask you the question, because I'm aware of what this is, but I want you to answer, wh why have we, what is the specific name for coronavirus? <laughs> Stop. Um, so we, we've seen coronavirus before. What is the common name for that? The flu and the cold. Well, those are different types of coronaviruses. But they are coronaviruses. That's what I'm just trying to help people understand. Like, coronavirus is not a new term. This is something that, that's why it's coronavirus 19. There are dozens of coronaviruses. And the way they got their name is how they look under a microscope. So they look like they're Crowns. wearing a crown. Right. Yeah, so there's a crown. So coronavirus, it's gone into that. Corona category. equals crown. Sure. Specifically, the common cold is a is rhinovirus, a very a, a type of rhinovirus, which is a subset of coronavirus. Which is rhinal is nose, right? Right. Okay. So name for where these its symptom set was most noticeable, which was in the nose, rhinovirus. Like a rhinoceros. Like a rhinoceros. Big nose. Right. Yeah. But to circle back, most people's ninety nine point whatever plus percentage are able to mount an effective antigen-antibody reaction even to this new novel coronavirus. The problem is some people can't or have difficulty doing that. Mm. And the bigger question there is why not? 
And that's when we get into the concept of a healthy immune system, how it's supposed to work versus how it may be working in certain individuals, and what we can do to build that immune system so that it may mount a better defense when it's exposed to this pathogen, another pathogen, or any, any antigen that it may react to in a negative way. And that moves us into autoimmune disease. That moves us into uh, nutrient versus toxicity of food. Let's, let's talk about, um, so as you're talking about the immune system, I'm aware that especially with the coronavirus, people who already had compromised immune systems did not fare well. Correct. And so let's talk about some of the um, the things that were that are going on with different people that have compromised immune systems first, and then let's move into what helps to Im- improve our immune system. Mm-hmm. So, uh, general categories of people that have uh, slow immune systems are the elderly, obviously, mm-hmm. because the body is just not able to maintain. A, as good a, an immune system, just like it's not able to maintain uh, as good a cardiovascular function. It's not able to maintain as good blood sugar handling function in the elderly. The systems are just slower and not as adaptable or responsive. So one of the things I believe that I learned through my schooling, and I want to make sure this is correct, is that our body reaches an apex around and and it's functioning around the age of 40 Mm -hmm. is that correct and then it begins to die off after that well so there's uh another way to look at this is is you have what's called blastic activity and clastic activity okay blastic is building up clastic is breaking down okay aging to be very simplistic breaks down that's right aging really is when breakdown accelerates and exceeds the buildup. So when blastic activity is now eclipsed by clastic activity and things are starting to break down. So this is kind of what aging is. So the rate at which you age is dependent upon a lot of factors. The biggest factor and not much you can do about is your genetics, right? Right. But stress and how you manage stress, Biochemistry, meaning the nutrients you take in and the toxins that you may take in or avoid, if you're wise enough to do that or diligent enough to do that, can affect that rate of aging. So the rate of aging is affected by many different variables. In the elderly, we're talking about a population of, say, 70 and above. Because it can't be 50 and above. It can't be 50. No, it can't no. be. No, not at our age. <laughs> not at our age. Let's talk about those really old people. Right? Like, I'm thinking about. 80, but all right, we'll okay, do it 70. Right. Nope. <laughs> at some point, the breakdown of tissue and the ability to uh, manage that breakdown of tissue, it's kind of a, it's kind of a lost cause, right? Mm. That doesn't mean to say that if you do everything to leave, you know, live your best life, that life may be 90 instead of 80 or 100 instead of 90 if you're, if you're diligent right. because you're slowing down that breakdown activity. Uh, you're not adding to it, right? So aging is going to make you more susceptible to anything, right? right. So, so let's circle back to what's going on right now with the coronavirus and, the, and, and uh, immuno, immune-compromised individuals. So... So the elderly is one category of immune-compromised individuals. 
The other their ar- armies are just dying off. Their army, they just can't keep the population. Recruitment is very, very low. Okay, gotcha. I got it. So recruitment's low. And, uh, and when it comes to a, an exogenous pathogen like this, an alien invader, uh, for lack of a better way to describe it, once that gains a foothold in your system, and the, the war and battle analogies are endless, of course, the metaphors, but once that, uh, that alien invader gets a foothold within the system and your recruitment effort just isn't producing enough soldiers, you're going to lose that battle. Right? Right. That's what's going to happen. That's not the only thing happening. Uh, other things can happen, uh, certainly. Uh, other biochemical processes that are not manageable uh, can, can play an effect as well. Detoxification of the landscape when there is this battle going on is, is a big uh, factor with a lot of people who have perished from coronavirus or influenza or other pathogens. Uh, so that's a factor too. But all of them tend to fall in the same category of the body's biochemistry and management systems simply cannot cope with uh, this particular you know, pathogen at this time. Yeah. Right. The other immune compromised category of individuals are those who suffer from obesity and other peripheral syndromes that tie into obesity, like diabetes and other blood sugar handling disorders, and those that are immunocompromised either because of a genetic uh, defect or mutation that leads to a, uh, an autoimmune disorder, uh, or those that are simply not managing their bodies very well and are not promoting a healthy immune system to begin with. Very good. Um, so can you tell us what happens when we are stressed? Yeah, so s- stress, and, and we're talking about emotional stress, correct? Correct, emotional stress. So emotional stress can just be very fatiguing and draining to the body. Uh, emotional stress accelerates a lot of inflammatory processes that occur in our bodies. And inflammatory processes are a burden to our immune system. So when we think about the immune system, we think about what we just talked about. An exogenous uh, pathogen of some type gets in, and we mount this defense, and we fight this battle, and we call that sickness, right? But believe it or not, over the course of your lifetime, those type of immune system uh, jobs are going to be minuscule compared to what your immune system does on a daily basis just to manage your internal environment. Uh, the immune system of the gut is the most active of, uh, you know, uh, part of our immune system is gut immunity. So just dealing with the food you consume, breaking, helping with uh, modifying compounds, dealing with the toxins in the foods that you consume, whether they're sprayed on your vegetables or they've been added to uh, the meats that you consume to help, you know, to build those meats and make them more marketable, those types of things. There are so many toxic compounds that we take into our body on a daily basis, and we need the immune system to help us deal with those toxins. So when we're under emotional stress, not getting enough sleep, burdened with uh, depression or, or anxiety. Kids, kids, spouses. Yeah, just normal Elderly stuff, parents. Right? Yes. Elderly parents. Our biochemistry is, for the moment, not favorable, right? So, the so immu- it's putting out extra energy to try and ward off or try and figure out. Like I, I want to I take this as a, a little bit of a break. And people don't understand because I see this all the time. When someone is, they come in and they see me and they're working on their deep emotional wounds, right? Pain takes up a lot of energy, mm-hmm. takes up a lot of space. 
um, and it and pain draws attention to itself. And so while I'm worried about, you know, what's going on in, in my life or my kids or whatever, I can't necessarily attend to what's going on with you. Right. And mm -hmm. so sometimes your friends are going through a lot. And so they they tend to turn inward and they can't be like that good friend that they've always been. And so one of the things that I I want to stress with people for them to understand is mental energy is ex as exhausting as a physical energy. It's like sometimes people are so like they've been hit all like. I have several people in my life that have been hit uh, recently with different deaths and um, and they 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 come rapidly and so I like to say that it's like they've been this car and all of these cars have like hit into them and so when you put it in a physical way people get oh gosh yeah that's that's really it's really hard on the body but people don't see that with mental energies and so when we are stressed out, when you are worrying about things all the time, it is exhausting mm -hmm. because it takes up energy. It takes up energy. And also it, it puts you in this, uh, this what's called a positive feedback cycle. And there's nothing positive about it. But what that means is it's sort of a perpetual scenario, kind of like being on a merry-go-round, right? Right. You get on a merry-go-round and the merry-go-round's going faster and faster and faster. And now you don't know how to get off the merry-go-round because right. you can't just step off the merry-go-round. Because now it's going too fast. You're going to risk injury. You're going to get cast off, right? So we have this out-of-control merry-go-round. How do we slow the merry-go-round? How do we get off the merry-go-round? Right. And most people don't have answers for that. They don't have a solution for that. Because the problems that put them on that merry-go-round or got it going too fast uh, are still present in their life. And there's no way to modify them. Mm -hmm. So it's very, very difficult. It's very difficult to break those cycles. But the effect of that is, is you are so overburdening the body on a biochemical level as well that it actually starts to change your biochemistry wow and your ability to react to scenarios outside of the scenario that you're in now becomes reduced so whether it's infection from a pathogen or whether it's a new trauma that gets added in it's very very difficult to deal with those because you're just spent you're overburdened Right? right your body is exhausted your body is exhausted and this leads we talked a little bit before about adrenal fatigue being in this perpetual fight or flight you know mode mm -hmm. that you're in when when stress is protracted protracted there's no way to, to sort of decompress from it so now we have adrenal fatigue energy level production drops now you're super susceptible and that is a category of individuals that are immune compromised mm -hmm. if you're in adrenal fatigue you are immune compromised and your adrenal fatigue a lot of the time can happen because you've been in extremely dangerous situations frequently in your life, like like I would say lots of trauma, yeah. like physical, sexual, emotional, relational, all those kinds of trauma, mm -hmm. as well as the emotional merry-go-round you were just talking about. Sure, sure. And culturally, which would be a, a really fascinating topic to get into at a later date, is, is uh, and you probably deal with this on a regular basis too, is, is what we're seeing now too is an increase in what I term as self-victimization. Mm. So this uh, a mentality where uh, there is legitimate trauma that creates the psyche that people walk into your office with. Oh yeah. But in, but in many cases, they're adding to that trauma. They're increasing, we talked about snapshots before, right? 
they're increasing the prominence and the weight of that snapshot in their lives because of this uh, attendant self-victimization that's going on as well. Right. Which can, again, help create that immunocompromisation. Absolutely. So let's talk about now what are things that we can do to boost our immune system, which also, in, in effect, increases our lifespan. Yeah. So detoxifying your internal environment is probably one of the best things you can do because reducing the load on your immune system is what's going to pull you out of a case of immunocompromised you know, biochemistry. So uh, I brought in donuts today to illustrate a point, right? So every Those help with my immune system? They do not help awesome. with your immune system. Yes. Everything you take into your body falls somewhere on the spectrum of benefit versus toxin, right? Neut it either neutrifies or toxifies, mm -hmm. right? Just about everything. I mean, the purest kind of water that you drink is pure neutrification. But if it has any contaminants in it, what else, what, you know, it's also a toxin. So everything falls somewhere on that spectrum. Sure. So a donut, there's very little neutrification in a donut, right? We have white flour, we have sugar, we have additives to assist in the processing of that donut, like aluminum-based baking powder and those types of things. And we've elected to deep fry that in a neutral fat that doesn't have a lot of its own flavor characteristics. So we have, we have heavy fats like olive oil and coconut oil or tallow or lard that have very distinctive flavor properties, right? But what also goes along with those natural fats is they have a very high char point or temperature point where they start to denature or they go from a nutrient to a toxin. So that donut is deep fried in hydrogenated vegetable oil in most cases. That fat has a very low char point, and it's already not a good fat to begin with, but it's easily damaged and turned into a toxin. So the fat that that donut was produced in is now a toxin to your body. So you have too much sugar in the form of, of, of sucrose and other sugars. The white flour breaks down into sugar pretty quickly and has very little nutritional value, and the fat is a bad fat. So that donut is almost, almost pure toxin. There's some nutrient value in it. But it's, it's a, got carbohydrates. It's a burden to the body, right? Okay. Now, I'm going to tell you something mm -hmm. in terms of the eating disorder world. Yep. We say all foods fit. So I want to just take your, your caveat and say that you brought me a donut. So are you trying to kill me today? <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Mm, donuts. <laughs> Thanks, Mike. So what the deal is, though, is having a donut. Right on occasion sure is absolutely fine it's fine because your body has a way of being able to process out that inform that bad stuff the bad toxin the toxic stuff but it does have nutrient you know like it's got it's a carbohydrate it gives us energy and if you need something that's a fast quick energy having a donut is fantastic it's just that you don't want to eat a donut for you know, all of your six times you eat a day, every day for six years. You sure. just don't want to do that. I can't say that's a fantastic choice, but I do agree with you. And <laughs> I'd be a hypocrite if I said I never had a donut, right? Another interesting wrinkle to that, which we don't have time to get into today, but your mental state when you consume that donut or when you consume a beer or a shot of tequila, if you are in a negative depressed state and you consume that versus if you are in a celebratory state and consume it, your body's going to use it differently. Wow. And that's a whole other fascinating topic. That, is, that but, might get you another show. That may be. 
Let's circle back to <laughs> yes. just that donut image, so just from a biochemistry standpoint. Sure. So when I put that donut into my body, I'm creating a toxic load predominantly. And again, everything falls somewhere on the spectrum, right? Sure. There's no, there's no pure nutrient, no pure toxin, at least not in, not in our availability of food. Right. My immune system is going to play a vital role in processing the toxins that are in that donut, particularly the, the charred non-beneficial fat, which is uh, a high heat vegetable oil, right? So I've, I've tasked my immune system with dealing with that donut. And this is very, this is very simplistic, but uh, just uh, try to look at this as if I had a bad diet overall versus a good diet, right? I'm not getting enough nutrition in my body. I'm overindulging in toxins in my body. My immune system is now tasked with dealing with this heavy toxin load. I may have stresses upon me, emotional stresses, dealing with life, and that's creating some adrenal fatigue. That's slowing me down. My energy level output is lower than it should be. My immune system is now also dealing with the byproducts of inflammation from all of this. I'm exposed to a pathogen. My immune system is not going to be as reactive and attentive and successful in dealing with that pathogen were I uh, had a better internal environment from a biochemical standpoint. So <clears throat> just to simplify, the context in which you eat something that could be toxic biochemically to your body, the environment that your body and mental state that you are in really has an impact on how your body uses that information, that, that, that donut. It absolutely can. Okay. It absolutely can. Okay. That's fascinating. I mean, when you think of alcohol, alcohol is a perfect example. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. So if I'm struggling with depression, alcohol is a depressant, as we know. If I'm struggling with depression. So I want to say something about that. Sorry yeah. to interrupt. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> but it's my show. <laughs> so it's a central nervous system depressant, mm -hmm. not necessarily an emotional depressant. You're right. I was speaking biochemically. Sure. I just wanted to clarify that right. because, and what you're saying is this is a, something that's going to cause your body to go from a stressed or a, a high energy place to a lower, Correct. calmer place. Correct. So go ahead. Sorry. No, that's, and that's a good point. Good distinction. So, and we could call it something other than a depressant. We can say it, it sort of turns the volume down. That's sure. another way to put it. Right. So alcohol turns the volume down. It makes our army guys sit down. It could. It could. Or, or sleep for several hours. Yes. Okay. If I am in a bad place emotionally and I consume alcohol, it makes everything seem worse, potentially. Sure. If I am in a happy place when I consume alcohol and turn the volume down or reduce inhibition or sort of make the things a little murkier, it can actually add to the euphoria and the joy of that celebratory environment. Sure. And what are the ramifications of that? My immune system, in my depressed, mentally depressed, sad environment that has now been amplified by the effects of alcohol, will have more toxins and inflammation to deal with than my celebratory state when I'm consuming that same thing. So, and this gets into obviously, you know, many other issues, but how my body utilizes that chemical, how my body utilizes that donut, that food is affected by my mental state. 
So if I'm comfort eating because I'm upset or binge eating to try to deal with an emotional issue, I'm causing a lot of damage potentially to my body from a biochemistry standpoint. Mm -hmm. If I'm indulging in a hot fudge sundae because it's my birthday and everybody showed up to celebrate with me and I'm in a happy place, my body is going to be less burdened by the negative aspects of that hot fudge sundae. Good. (laughs) So I'm going to bring the question up again. Let's talk about the things that you can do. So we, we've, we've thrown in the emotional health. Mm-hmm. People can come see me at Mana Treatment, manatreatment.com, um, to help with their emotional health. Um, they can come see you, and you can do your chiropractic stuff, your, your body testing and all that, and they can figure out what's going on. Potentially there's emotional holding and all that but what are some other things so we know that we can eat um pure foods fruit fruits vegetables those kinds of things what are some other things that we can do to raise our you know immunosystem immune immune system That's easy for me to say. Right. So to improve the responsiveness (laughs) of the immune system, and not only improve its responsiveness, but also to help the immune system sustain itself during a protracted or long battle with an illness, is by, we we touched on food, but we didn't touch on the uh, nutritional compounds within food that are necessary. So if you're eating a healthy diet that is uh, full of different nutrients, whether it's fat-soluble vitamins, water-soluble vitamins... Uh, amino acids, different things. When you have all of that in your diet, those necessary compounds, then your immune system has the raw materials it needs to do its job. Hmm. When you are nutrient deficient in really any category, you put the body in a, uh, a place where not only is it going to be less responsive to dealing with a pathogen or protracted illness, but it's going to be less responsive dealing with an injury it's going to be less responsive dealing with uh, an emotional trauma. It's simply going to be less responsive because the raw materials aren't there. And we talked for a minute earlier about aging when blastic activity is now eclipsed by uh, the uh, the breakdown. So if you don't have the raw materials on site, which you get through the foods that you consume, then you're not going to be able to build up anything as efficiently as you could. So now the structure is weak. You have a weak structure. So how can um, exercise play a part in this? Exercise is a necessary physical stress to the body. Exercise does many different things. So we, we, we know about exercise and cardiovascular health. We know about exercise and bone strength, right, by loading the bone, the piezoelectric effect. We know about exercise and detoxification of the body because those lymph vessels need to be mechanically purged through movement. So exercise is a very, very important component. So exercise is not the solution. Exercise is a component. A lot of people misinterpret and think exercise and health are the same thing. They're not. Mm -hmm. Exercise is a necessary component of health, just as is diet, emotional well-being. I would add in spiritual well-being. Absolutely. All of these compose that very amorphous term of health, right? Mm -hmm. And if we look at the immune system through the same lens, the health of the immune system, is also dependent upon all of these various categories being in a good place. We talked before about, you know, the the, the metaphor of the stool, the three-legged stool. 
We have structural, structural, we have functional biochemistry, and we have emotional, right? Mm -hmm. If any of the legs of this stool are damaged or weak, then we're not going to have stability in our lives, right? Mm -hmm. Same for the immune system, too. If you want your immune system to be reactive to uh, any type of uh, a problem, uh, whether it's this pathogen, coronavirus, or anything else, then all of the legs of that stool have to be in a pretty good place. So our overall health, the health of our immune system, are both dependent upon completeness or wellness in all of these different areas. I think um, as you were talking, I was thinking about one of the things that we work with at MANA Treatment. I mean, we specialize in eating disorders and trauma recovery. Um, and oftentimes those two things go hand in hand. The eating disorder is an expression of a pain that's underneath. Um, and a function or a part of an eating disorder behavioral pattern is manipulating food, but also manipulating exercise. And so I want to take that point of um, exercise as a component because people like to say, oh, I ate bad today. I'm going to exercise for, for two hours or three hours tomorrow. And the exercise health benefit is also just like you were saying with food. If you are torturing yourself during the three mile run or the three hour run, and you're saying, you know, what a terrible person you are, mm -hmm. the function of that exercise is diminished. It is not helping your body. It is literally breaking it down. Correct. And so there's got to be a healthy view of your body. Your body is, a, is not you. It is a structure that holds you, that holds your thought pattern, that holds your spirituality, that holds your relationships. It is not something that needs to be beaten up because if you do that, you are literally helping yourself die. Sure. Same thing with the exercise. There are people that are super thin, super fit, but they are super unhealthy mm -hmm. and they're trying to cover up or cope or deal with just like the people who want to binge and, and put, you know, donuts in their mouth to, to try and help themselves feel better. Exercise addicts, also do the same thing. And so really having that mental balance is super important overall in literally everything we're talking about. Food, exercise, relationship, like just everything. And so, um, wow, this was good. We have another minute? One. There's a phenomenal book out there if you can find it. It's, uh, it had several printings, and I think even for a while it was under a different name, but there was a Dr. Philip Moffatone, and he wrote a book called In Fitness and in Health. Oh, that's great. And I've never heard of it. but I, And what he talks about in this book, uh, in just one part of it, is this misconception that fitness equals health. Fitness does not equal health, to your point. Mm -hmm. We see a lot of fit individuals that are overburdening their body to the point that they are, in fact, unhealthy. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, in Eastern medicines, we talk about balance. Uh, in, uh, in, in, in modern physiology, we talk about homeostasis. How do we reach this point where our body is in balance or is in homeostasis? And that's, that's the great question, right? Mm -hmm. Because your body and my body are going to be a little bit different. Mm -hmm. So homeostasis for you may not be exactly homeostasis for me. But we do know that there are some foundational fundamental elements of that. And nutrition and biochemistry is one of those foundational elements. Fitness and activity is a foundational element. So finding the right balance of those things 
so that we are benefiting the body instead of breaking down the body is the key to health and the key to slowing aging. Wow, this was great. Um, we do have to stop today, um, but I first want to <clears throat> thank you again for coming and we'll definitely have you on in a few months. Um, next week, I've got um, Sean O'Keefe, who is, uh, I, I, he is working for and with Mana Fund and he helps create all of our events and we are going to be talking about um, a new fundraising event that we are putting together that this year is going to be a virtual event um, and it's so you think you can sing and it's people who want to sing karaoke and I'm super excited about it um, I actually I wanted to do this event because we have um, an old client who is an amazing singer and I just love being able to put people's talents out there to help them in their journey in life. And so um, I am super excited to have Sean on. Um, but to close out this show, um, every week, and I, I tried to, I, I surprised you <laughs> last week with a verse. So today I've come up with the verse and it's from Matthew six thirty three to 34. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all of these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. So, thank you. Did you have something to say? No, I just wanted to say, tying into that, uh, one of the things we didn't get a chance to talk about today is the road back from COVID. And the only oh. point that I would make is rediscovering your purpose is the road back from any upheaval, whether it's COVID or anything else. And when you rediscover that purpose, that's when you can get back on track. Yeah, that's perfect. Figure out who you are. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you so much for joining us today on Food, Faith, and Feelings, presented by Paradigm Security Services and Mana Fund. And don't forget that you can enjoy any of our episodes anytime by visiting businessradiox.com selecting the Gwinnett Studio, and then clicking on Food, Faith, and Feelings. This program is also available on Apple iTunes, iHeartRadio, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Until next time, I am Dr. Jeannie Burnett, and you've been listening to Food, Faith, and Feelings on Business Radio X. Music